This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we are finally doing an episode about burgers. Yes, hamburgers. And there's a lot of excitement in this recording, because Super Producer Andrew, I think we've said before, but his avatar is a hamburger. Yeah. It has a very, a face that you can't really make out the emotion. Yeah, it's like, it's like the tabula rasa of, of, of uh, anthropomorphic burgers. Um, and and mm. credit, to, credit to him for, for that specific um, phrasing. Because he, uh, yeah, it just, you can really fill in whatever expression, whatever expression. You can. And hilariously, sometimes my Skype freezes on an image of him. And so I don't see you. Oh, I see burger just face. The burger. And it's, I just, <laughs> the judgment I feel, oh. and it's all on me. The expression's not changing. But it can be very judgy, though. It can it's be. It's hard to have a, a serious conversation about what enter food here uh-huh. while this hamburger yeah. just looms. <laughs> 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 uh, um, I mean, uh, we also just like burgers. We're just excited about yes. this topic. We've been waiting on it because we knew it was going to be a little bit of a bear. And it is and was. Huh. Uh, yes. But we we decided to finally do it because of a little TV show you might have heard of or might not have called Supernatural. That's right, folks. 
If yep. if you if you didn't know this about me and Annie, we are both supernatural fans. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Annie got me into it actually during this our quarantine time. I watched <laughs> fifteen seasons of a television show that I had never seen before, <laughs> particularly. Um, yeah, <laughs> I just watched them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved getting your updates. It was very <laughs> fun for me. Uh, <laughs> and over on stuff, mom never told you. I also got. My my co-host over there, Samantha, into it. So it's been really fun. Oh yeah, to like watch this unfold. Would it, would it just be like 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 Sam would send you a message, and then like I don't know, like a month later, when I finally caught up to where she had been, <laughs> yes. like it was like Cass talked about tortillas, lols. Like, yes. cool. All right, and it was great. the most random things. So <laughs> I loved it. Um, yeah. So this show's been on the air for 15 years. It's currently on the CW, and as we record this, there are only two episodes left until the series finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's. I mean, I've been watching this show on TV since it first started. I was in high school. Um, so it is a big, I feel like already a momentous wow. goodbye, yeah. supernatural. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot. That's a whole lot. So mm-hmm. so you yeah, yeah, that that's emotional. You've 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 grown up with these characters. I have. Uh the, the running joke is that it this TV show would be in high school right now. <laughs> oh geez. Uh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I used to tape it. I'd send it to my friends and I converted so many of my friends to fans. I wrote fan fiction. I read fan fiction. I rewatched certain episodes over and over again. I have my favorites, and I cried many times. I cried. Oh yeah, Oof. it's an mm. emotional show. There are two or three emotions at least. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So we thought, in honor of the show coming to an end, we thought we would do an episode on one of the the show's most prominent foods. Hamburgers. Oh, yeah. And if, if y'all are unfamiliar with this show, uh, no shade. It's very silly um, in a very enjoyable <laughs> way, I will say. Um, but but seriously, like, uh, like, like one of the main characters, uh, Dean, is seen eating or talking about hamburgers in like most episodes. I'd say mm-hmm. more than half. I'd say way more than half of the episodes of this show, a burger shows Indeed. up. <laughs> Either in, in in person or in spirit, um, yeah. no spirit pun intended. Uh, the the show has an official cookbook called Burgers, Pies, and Other Bites from the Road, um, published in 2019. It does feature three burger recipes. Ah, uh, yes, and I gave this to Samantha as a gift. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a lot of pie recipes too, which was yeah. also a contender for yeah. this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did want to mention that uh, a couple of years ago, I did a road trip across the United States to California and all all over. Um, and uh, me and my friends were trying to, no joke, uh, escape a tornado while we were in Kansas. And oh we gosh. ended up in Lawrence, Kansas, which oh. is where uh, <laughs> the brothers in the show are born. And it, I, I was standing at the window and you see this like menacing sky and all these lightning bolts. And I was like, this feels right. This feels right. <laughs> it all worked out um so i don't often crave hamburgers but when i do crave them i swear it is unlike any other craving to humankind to me it it is way stronger Mm. than my typical craving um my mom used to make these homemade burgers when Mm -hmm. we were at the beach and after a day of playing in the water they were the best best damn thing oh Um, yeah 
Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, that's a and, that's a good solid food. I uh, uh Yeah. Um and a few years ago I did a burger tour of Atlanta and it was amazing and it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did seven restaurants. So Oh my gosh. Oof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. And I ran uh my first half half marathon after I ran it, I got the legendary in Atlanta Sublime Donut Burger at Cypher Street, which is what you think it is. It's a burger. I think it's a cut and half donut, so it's not two donuts. It's not it's two donuts. It's donut. only a single donut. Okay, it's that only, makes it okay, way more yes. reasonable. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. I want to be clear. <laughs> um, I could have eaten two of them. I was so hungry, but it, it was really good. <laughs> oh, wow. I've never had like a like a stunt burger like that. Um, but uh, I mean, I... I I I love a burger, sure, yeah, and I agree with you that the when when the craving does come, it is a strong craving, mm-hmm. and it's just all that I want in the universe. And um and there are a lot of very good burgers here in Atlanta. Um, one, yes. one of them, the H and F Burger Holman and Finch Burger, gets like national press still about how tasty it's it is. It's a good burger. It's a good burger. It's and that yeah. is a, that is now my favorite style of burger. Um, it's, yeah. it's the two thin patties. Two slices of cheese melted, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of, and, and just and just thin and crispy, and it gets oh so nice. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, oh no, the craving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking at so many pictures of burgers while I was reading about this was exquisite torture. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, I do know what I'm mentioning here. I think I've told this story before, but uh, when I was in high school, we did like a trip to France, and um, you know. Some people are nervous about trying new foods and they want to try mm-hmm. you know, something more familiar to them. Sure, sure. Uh, a couple people in our group, we were at a restaurant and they ordered hamburger American. And um, it was just raw ground beef. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which I, to this day, I think of like, was that a joke? <laughs> I'm not, I don't know that it was bad by any means. Like, uh-huh, but I, I mean, uh-huh. it, is it the fact that it's called that? Is it? <laughs> so it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a steak tartare. It wasn't I like mean, I mean it could have been because I wasn't very familiar with that okay. at the time. But it was like a pretty big. It was like a patty of raw ground beef, and it had like onions and vinaigrette, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds more towards the tartare region of of, mm-hmm. of space. So that I mean. Still surprising, I'm positive for your your young cohorts, but yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, I remember it. I remember it well. <laughs> <laughs> did they Did they eat it? Uh, I don't think they did, but I hmm. we, a couple of us tried it. Yeah. It was pretty good. I remember it actually being pretty good. Yeah. Um, but no, they didn't. And the funny <laughs> thing is they might have ordered that seafood salad, and that was also like raw seafood. Oh. It was very, you know. Yeah. A very silly time yeah. for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> the time when you, when as a, as a young American who grew up in the in the nineties or early two thousands, you you go like, oh, not everyone cooks meat the way that we do here in America. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> like all the way through, all the time, intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, National Hamburger Day is May twenty eighth. Yes, and that's when I did my hamburger tour. Oh, there you go. That whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, and related to this episode, you can see our episode on Salisbury steak. Um, also, we did one on alternative meats and our McDonald's episode. 
and our episodes on ketchup and mustard. So there's a lot to uh, dive A lot of in. connections. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I suppose brings us to our question. Yes. Hamburgers. What are they? Well, um, a hamburger is a type of sandwich that may include a great number of things, but but I'd say that the essence of the hamburger is is this. Uh, a patty of, of ground seasoned protein served on a not oblong bread bun. To me, it was very mm. important to distinguish the oblong from the not oblong. It can be mm-hmm. square or circular. But, but not oblong. Not oblong. <laughs> I I would posit that if it's a if it's a different type of bread or if the protein is not ground, it's a different kind of sandwich. This is a tricky. Sometimes I don't envy that you are <laughs> the one that must uh, define these things because it, it's a bit of a, a tricky territory. It is. It is, and I'm sure that someone's going to to have a, a very valid argument. I have seen other things called burgers on menus, like a chicken burger that's a chicken um, breast, mm-hmm. um, or like a, like a burger, like the one that you had with a, with a donut for a bun. But I feel like that's like clearly like a, like a parody, like a, like satire kind of territory. Mm-hmm. So that's, so that's allowed. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like relieved to hear that. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and despite the fact that it's called a hamburger, uh, the type of protein least likely to be ground up in the sandwich is probably ham. Um, mm-hmm. the, the ham part of hamburger is a whole etymological thing. We're going to get into it later. Um, uh, the most traditional is ground beef, but chicken, turkey, uh, soy, black bean-based patties, all, all of these are all common. Um, lamb and pork certainly aren't unheard of. You might mix a sausage in there, you know. I'm not going to argue with you about your ground meat. I, it, ground ground protein of whatever kind you want, I think, is fair game. But not the oblong, no. <laughs> you know, I just think it's a different sandwich. <laughs> and I, I like that you're, like, clearly thinking about this. You put I, some thought into it. I, I have. And, okay, and this is, to be fair, side note, one of my favorite sandwiches is called the Roman Burger. And this is a Midwestern thing that's on a sub-length bun, and it has burger patties and cold cuts and, like, lettuce, tomato, oil, and vinegar, salt, and pepper. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't classify it as a burger. Mm-hmm. I really am. I really am putting a lot of thought into this right now. You are. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the same page. I, yeah, I agree. Okay. All right, I'm glad that we've reached a, a, a quorum yeah. here. Yeah, that's... we have. <laughs> Very important. So to make this protein patty, um, uh, typically some kind of binders are mixed in there to to make it to make it all stick together. Um, uh, beaten egg, breadcrumbs, stuff like that. Seasonings can vary widely, but uh, salt, pepper, Worcestershire sauce, um, and onion or garlic are a few common additions. Patties can be made thick or thin. Um, sometimes, as I was saying earlier, two or three thin patties might be stacked to form a, a single unit of of burger. Mm-hmm. Sometimes thick patties. Oh, Get sure. Creative. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. Mix it up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The most traditional cooking method is uh, is grilling or griddling the patty. Um, the bun might also be toasted on the cooking surface, and I think it should be personally. <laughs> 
Um, in terms of toppings, you don't have to have any toppings, but also like, is there, this is another serious question. Is there anything that is just flat out definitely not a burger topping? Oh, that is a good question. Well, now <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about this because I keep being like, well, sushi, but no, but I could see I could Marshmallows, I said, okay. Yeah, I mean, in general, sweet, sweeter things, probably less, but I wouldn't put it past someone. Um, oh, no. And furthermore, like, like I, I guess the best argument I could make is that if something, if there's a bone-in meat, mm. that would, that would, like, obfuscate the purpose of the sandwich. <laughs> what is this sandwich's purpose? <laughs> Which is to be picked up and eaten. Maybe like watermelon or mango. No, mango could be on Mango it. would totally be tasty on it. Yeah. Uh, oh, or like or like compressed watermelon on I could uh, I could see it. Anyway, okay. Oh. Um <laughs> uh that said, that said, um, your standard spread of toppings and, and condiments for burgers include um, the, the salad stuff, um, uh, like leaves or shreds of lettuce, slices of tomato, and sliced or diced onion. Um, your cheese, uh, sliced cheese or crumbled cheese, either added um, to the top of the patty at the end of grilling to melt or afterwards as you're building the sandwich. And then your condiments, um, ketchup, mustard, mayo, and pickle relish or sliced pickles um both both of these of the cucumber pickle variety mm. mhm mhm mm and uh, another common condiment is um burger sauce or yeah. sometimes called special sauce um which is a combo of mayo ketchup and mustard that's seasoned with salt pepper maybe like hot sauce or pickle juice or paprika or worcestershire or other stuff mhm mm it's a homebrew yeah, kind of thing i yeah uh, i and a lot of restaurants have funny names for what I think is that. Like oh, yeah. Rocket sauce is one. Right. Um, and you're always kind of like, what is that? They're like, secret sauce. I'm like, is and it? Is it? <laughs> you can't have it removed. It's important to it's the burger experience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I do. I, I, they, they can be an annoying item to come up on the line, especially when a lot of people are ordering them to, to do them really, really yeah. correctly. Um, so, I, so I get that having modifications is a pain on stuff like that but yeah but man man <laughs> yeah i love it when it's like absolutely no and it's all caps no yeah substitution yeah or change <laughs> yeah none and i'm like mm -mm. i i know it says that but i can't i shouldn't eat onions because they make me really angry on the insides of my insides can can i get no onions and they're like of course and i'm like oh yeah. There's caps lock on your menu. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> and then, okay, so so those are those are the basic toppings. Mm -hmm. But um things that I ran across just today as I was reading about burgers that you can put on top of burgers include, but are not limited to, because I got tired after a certain point. Mm -hmm. Slices of avocado, bacon, cooked or pickled onions, deep fried onion rings, a fried egg, french fries, fried oysters. I don't know, spread some like pate or foie gras on there. Deli meat, pulled pork, brisket, short ribs, oil and vinegar, hot sauce, pineapple, coleslaw, mac and cheese, any kind of cheese, barbecue sauce, jalapenos, fried jalapenos, sauteed mushrooms, guacamole, grilled eggplant, Chili, like the the like soup stew dish, chili. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And shaved truffles. 
you know, I'm amazed and a little embarrassed at how many of those I have had. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. was nodding like, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yeah, check, 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 check. Okay. It, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, so th- there's this kind of separate but related to what we've just been talking about category of just like ridiculous on purpose burgers. Um, and a lot of these these days, having like run the gamut of toppings are playing with the idea of the bun. Um, so you've got your donut bun, your waffle bun, your fried pucks of mac and cheese bun, your fried pucks of cooked ramen noodles bun, your whole grilled cheese sandwiches bun. Oh, no. Oh, no. I think I've had most of those, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I need to take stock of some things. I mean, but in, like, a good way or a bad way? I mean, you're living life. You, Annie, like Dean Winchester, are just like, you know, who knows where this life is going to take me? Might as well enjoy it. (laughs) Might as well try these fried mac and cheese (laughs) buns. Why not? (laughs) We have, um, I think we've mentioned, we have a restaurant in Atlanta, the Vortex, that kind of, this is their thing. Yeah. We have a couple of restaurants that have specific burgers that are their kind of gimmicky wild yeah. burger. Yeah. Yeah, the what, what the the Vortex has the bypass system, the single yep. double and triple bypass. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. I've seen friends undertake it. I have not oh. done that. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh good. That's good. I I always I worry about stunt eating. I'm like, "Oh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I also have a friend who was just like, oh, this is good. Boop. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, my friend did it like that, too. I did get to try a bite, and that was nice because yeah. I, did, I didn't want to do the thing. Um, and people who don't know, <laughs> you can look it up. It is quite an undertaking. Oh, and yeah. it comes with fries. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a thing, which is a thing that burgers uh, are frequently paired with a side of uh, French fries. Uh, yeah, because, because, okay, the, the result of all of this, um, uh, combined is, is going to be this just highly customizable sandwich that can be as cheap and simple or expensive and fancy or silly and messy or small or huge, um, as, as you want to make it. But, but yeah, but the, the baseline experience of, of a hamburger is that it's, um, it's soft with maybe like a little bit of crunch. Um, and salty and fatty and savory, maybe with some contrasting flavors for the toppings. It is such a comfort food. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, often served for lunch or dinner. Can be for breakfast if you want to make it so. Um, aside French fries, maybe a soda pop or beer or, or milkshake. Ugh. I have such fond memories of um, back when our local baseball team still played in Atlanta. Um Sometimes as a kid, my dad would take us and we would bring in like this whole cooler of um, crystal burgers, which are not by any means a burger I would ever get. No shade on anyone who loves them. Uh But there Uh was just something about it that was so like, tasted so good in the heat. Very nostalgic I get for that. Yeah. But, okay. (laughs) What about the nutrition, Lauren? Ooh, uh, ooh, it can range. Um, okay, I'll, I'll say that, like, like, all right, like, if you're looking at a beef burger, um, the, the beef is usually right around 20% fat content so that it doesn't dry out as it cooks. And, and especially if you're griddling that with additional oil or butter, 
that's going to be a pretty calorie-dense food right there. Um, And, you know, like the white bread that the bun is made of isn't a health food. Uh, Mayo and cheese and all those other toppings um, and side dishes can, can really add up to just a whole bunch of fat and salt. However, um, it's also got a great punch of protein. You've got some baseline vitamins and minerals in there from the meat, maybe a smattering of extra stuff from the toppings. And it's almost always healthier than a fried chicken sandwich on a menu because deep frying oh. stuff is horrifying. That's just a horrifying <laughs> thing to do to a thing, nutritionally speaking. Um, delicious. Delicious. Nutritionally mm-hmm. horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, uh, watch your portion sizes, eat a vegetable, uh, you know, be, be aware that the sillier that you get with it, the more it's a, it's a treat. And that's fine. Yeah. Treats are nice. They are nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will put in here that the, the, the alternate proteins are not necessarily healthier. Um, sometimes they are, you know, but just like read your nutrition facts if they're provided. Um, so sometimes a turkey or chicken burger it has a very, very, very similar fat profile content. So if that's the only, if health is the only reason that you're making that purchase, then mm-hmm. it it might not be doing you any good. Yes. Always a proponent of reading the label. Mm-hmm. Uh, hamburgers are a big business, uh, as these numbers show. Yeah, as of, uh, as of back in 2012, and I think it's holding pretty steady today, um, the burger industry was worth some $70 billion in the United States. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, that year in a survey, 89% of consumers reported having a restaurant burger at least once a month, and almost half reported having one at least once a week. Dang. Uh And although overall meat consumption in the U.S. has been dropping, burger sales do not seem to be suffering. Um, As of 2019, quick service restaurants in the U.S. were serving 6.4 billion beef burgers per year um, and uh, about a quarter of a billion uh, veggie-based burgers. So, Wow. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. Yep. Yep. Um, (laughs) But... We are not the only ones who love burgers, and we're not even the people who love burgers the most. What? I know. <laughs> um, in 2015, France ate 1.2 billion burgers, about 14 per person per year. Russia was tied with them. Uh, Germany ate 11 per capita. Japan and Spain, 8 per capita. Italy, 7 per capita. And at the top were the uh, UK with 23, the US with 30, and Australia with 38 burgers per person per year. Wow. Wow, Australia. I I mean, I know I had burgers when I was in Australia, but I I know I've mentioned this before. I probably was trying to get the things I thought I couldn't get elsewhere. So I don't recall. There were a lot of barbecues, though, and hamburgers are a great barbecue food. Yeah, or grill-out food. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. Um. It's it's true. It's true. We just we just uh, grilled some burgers the other night here at home. Ugh, jealous. I think the last <laughs> time I had a hamburger was Memorial Day. Oh my so gosh! <laughs> it's been a minute for me, and I'm the craving. I'm trying to fight it off, but I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that will have to wait because we have so much history for you. Oh my heck, we do. Um, and we will get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Mm-hmm. 
This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The Nick's anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Nick's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to Nick's leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, the history of the hamburger is very murky. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Especially depending on how one defines a hamburger. Yeah. Which can vary. Mm Mm-hmm. Can and does. But depending on that definition, they can go way, 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 way back. Um, Ground meat shaped into patties dates back to ancient times. And they were eaten all around the world. Mm-hmm. Ancient Rome had a recorded burger-like meat patty recipe all the way back to 1st century CE, and ancient Egyptians recorded eating something similar. At the time, it was probably a food for the rich. The task of making them wasn't easy or cheap. Um, and there's a really interesting Smithsonian article that I was jealous of because uh, part of the article was trying all these recipes oh, and deciding, cool. like, is it would I call this a burger? Is this a I burger or not really? Yeah. Oh, yes. And the conclusion that article arrived at was what the real game changer was, um, like, meat choppers. Oh, sure. Right. Absolutely. So before that came along, if you were doing this, this ground meat thing, it was much more arduous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so... According to legend, Genghis Khan and his army would place patties of ground meat under the saddles of their horses to tenderize the meat as they rode. Um, and it was typically leftover mutton or lamb, kind of tougher pieces, mm-hmm. uh, which they would eat raw when ready, I guess, when they were hungry. And when Kublai Khan's army invaded Moscow beginning in 1238 CE, uh, they kept this up. They were still doing it. And the Russians picked it up, too. They called it steak. Tartar, because they call the Mongols Tartars, um, which over the years cooks refined into what we think of it today. Meanwhile, Europeans viewed minced beef as a delicacy in the 15th century, um, and this minced beef was sometimes made into sausage. In the 1600s, ships originating from Hamburg, Germany, began making the journey to Russia for trade, and through this, steak tartare arrived in Germany, where it was called tartar steak. And Hamburg was known for its high-quality beef and beef in general. And I know our listeners are very, very smart, and you're already putting together the mm-hmm. pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> German ports were Europe's largest ports during the 18th century, and this tartar steak from Hamburg was brought to New York, where people called it Hamburg steak. Enterprising street vendors began selling, quote, steak cooked in the Hamburg style in New York City Harbor. At the same time, immigrants to the U.S. from German-speaking areas, of course, brought with them their favorite cuisines, including Hamburg steak. And this was usually something eaten by the lower class, a mixture of low-grade beef, local spices, eaten either raw or cooked. Um, And this salted and sometimes smoked meat was a pretty good food for making this long transatlantic journey. Since the meat used was often tough, uh, to help make it last longer, folks sometimes would add minced onion and soaked breadcrumbs that they formed into these patties. Upon arriving to the U.S., many of these immigrants kept making these patties, but now with fresh meat if it was available to them. And they were perhaps surprised to find Hamburg steak was already popular Mm. in New York. So these two things were kind of happening at once. Yeah, yeah. In 1758, Hannah Glass's cookbook, The Art of Cookery Made Plain and Easy, featured a recipe for Hamburg sausage, calling for a mixture of beef, spices, and suet, with the recommendation of serving with toasted bread, implying that German immigrants had brought their meat traditions, uh, recipes to England, and or English people returning to England after visiting Germany did. Um, When this book was published in the U.S. a little bit later, it had the slightly altered Hamburg sausage recipe in it. In 1802, the Oxford English Dictionary defined hamburger as, quote, a hard slab of salted minced beef, often slightly smoked, mixed with onions and breadcrumbs. And I love that they specify hard slab here because yeah. I because one of the defining characteristics of a burger to me is that it's soft. So yeah. where this hardness was coming in, I'm confused about. But we have questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The exact origin of grilling and the bread aspects of the burger are difficult to pinpoint, though, but historians believe it happened in the late 1800s, probably another innovation of immigrants. A part of this was the invention of mechanical meat choppers. Mm -hmm. That same time, um, one of the first, if not the first, uh, quote, meat cutter was patented in the U.S. in 1829. That was followed soon after by an 1845 patent for, quote, improvement in machines for cutting sausage meat. 
Great title. I love it. <laughs> and in 1897, quote, the Universal Food Chopper hit the market. It was featured in the Sears Roebuck catalog, which was a big deal at the time. Um, and these meat grinders were key to making a hamburger a hamburger. Like when we think of hamburger, these meat grinders. Yeah. Yeah. That, huge. That, that, that texture and, and small grain of the meat that right. makes it so, um, so, so tender and easy to chew um, is, mm-hmm. is part of all of that. Yeah, and in that Smithsonian article, they, like I said, they pinpointed that as the changing point. And the recipes previous to that, they said they would call more like a steak sandwich or something Mm -hmm. and less a hamburger. Um, Hamburger steak or hamburger beef steak started appearing on menus in the 1800s. They typically cost 10 cents. Um, They also started appearing in American cookbooks in 1840. Mrs. D.A. Lincoln's The Boston Cookbook had two relevant recipes, Hamburg steak and broiled meat cakes. Broiled meat cakes. Gosh. Mm. In 1876, a German restaurant offered thousands of Hamburg-style steaks at the Philadelphia Centennial Exposition. And this was a big deal. This is where a lot of um, Americans were exposed to yeah. um, to this idea of a hamburger. Mm-hmm. And the timing has to do with industrialization. As many Americans moved into factory work, they wanted cheap, convenient lunch options. I feel like this comes up in almost mm-hmm. every one of our sandwich episodes. Um, and these lunch options were frequently purchased from nearby food carts. Sandwiches' whole thing is convenience. Yeah. You can carry it in your hands. Um, when these food carts upgraded to gas grills, some of them started offering Hamburg steaks, which people really liked, but they were hard to eat until vendors started putting them between bread. And I will say, I know we've also said this in several episodes, probably this was, it just made sense and a lot of people discovered this around the same time. Simultaneously uh, and independently, yeah. they were just like, huh, Hamburg steak, thing we like sandwiches thing we like cool yeah mm-hmm. yes but that doesn't mean that there aren't so many impassioned origin stories oh so many i think this might be the most we have in an episode <laughs> i love it so yes most legends of the american hamburger are just that american food legends told by later generations without much to back it up that's not to say they're not necessarily true um oh sure but but uh, there's just not a lot of evidence, and there's a lot of claims. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hard, hard to prove. Uh, lots of claims. Yeah. Yes, but we're gonna look at a few of these claims because mm-hmm. they're very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with uh, Seymour, Wisconsin. So, go back to 1845 and Seymour, Wisconsin, and a man, a young man named Charlie Negreen. According to this story, Charlie was working selling meatballs at a county fair, but he noticed people were having issues eating them while they walked around the fair. So he got the idea to flatten the meatballs and put them between bread, and he called it a hamburger. This earned him the nickname Hamburger Charlie, and he and his hamburgers were staples at this county fair until he died in 1951. He even had a jingle— Hamburgers, hamburgers, hamburgers hot. Onions in the middle, pickle on top. Make sure your lips go flippity flop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seymour is so confident about being the home of the first hamburger. They call themselves the home of the hamburger. They built a hamburger hall of fame dedicated to Charlie Negreen and his hamburger. And they have an annual hamburger festival the first Saturday in August. 
Love it. And it, I know, it sounds so fun. There's, of course, a hamburger eating contest, but also a bun toss, <laughs> a ketchup slide, and the, quote, world's largest hamburger parade. Wow. Oh, that's great. And, oh, it gets better. In 2007, Seymour's legislature made this all official. And Lauren, I would ask you to join me in a dramatic reading. Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Whereas Seymour, Wisconsin is the right home of the hamburger and... Whereas other accounts of the origination of the hamburger trace back only so far as the 1880s, while Seymour's claim can be traced to 1885 and... Whereas Charles Negreen, also known as Hamburger Charlie of Seymour, Wisconsin, began calling ground beef patties in a bun hamburgers in 1885 and... Whereas Hamburger Charlie first sold his world-famous hamburgers at age 15 at the first Seymour Fair in 1885 and later at the Brown and Outagamie County Fairs and... Whereas Hamburger Charlie employed as many as eight people at his famous hamburger tent, selling 150 pounds of hamburgers on some days, and... Whereas the hamburger has since become an American classic enjoyed by families and backyard grills alike, now, therefore, be it... Resolved! (laughs) By the Assembly, the Senate concurring, that the members of the Wisconsin legislature declare Seymour, Wisconsin, the original home of the hamburger. Gosh. And scene. (laughs) And there's even an official website, homeofthehamburger.com. So the case is closed. But hold on. Okay. It is not closed. Oh. Brothers Frank and Charles Minches out of Akron, Ohio, would disagree. According to this version of the story, the Mincheses invented the hamburger during the 1880s while they were traveling in a concession circuit to various events throughout the Midwest, like county fairs. Uh, When they ran out of pork for their sandwich patties while at a fair in Hamburg, New York, on a particularly hot day, uh, butchers had stopped butchering hogs because it was so hot. But one of the butchers suggested they swap out the pork for beef. So they did, mixing the beef with coffee which I find interesting, Um, spices and brown sugar. I assume they grilled it, but I couldn't confirm. I'm almost 100% sure that they did, though. And then served it between bread. Uh, When asked what it was called, the brothers allegedly glanced around panically, like, oh, what are we going to call it? And they saw the festival banner, saw Hamburg, New York, and went with hamburger. Hmm. Hamburger. When the Los Angeles Times ran Frank's obituary in 1951, they credited him as being the hamburger's inventor. In 1985, Hamburg held their first Burger Fest to commemorate 100 years since this supposed happy event. I think uh, a historian in the town discovered it, um, clippings of this or something. Um, The Minches family discovered the hamburger recipe and opened Minches Brothers Restaurant to serve the birders in Akron in 1991. And in 2005, Akron held the first annual National Hamburger Festival. So the case is closed. Nope. Nope. (laughs) It's nuts. (laughs) Let's go now to 1891 in Tulsa, Oklahoma and one Oscar Weber Bilby. According to his family, he was the first to add the hamburger bun into the mix. So they specifically claimed the bun. Right, right. As yes. opposed to just slices of bread, like exactly, chunks. Or like Fools. a patty melt, which is what <laughs> I would call that. I would just call that a patty melt. Mmm. Patty melt. Future episode. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yes. A travel writer named Michael Wallace did this whole deep dive into the claim. 
of this family in 1995 and determined that Bill B. was responsible for our modern idea of the American hamburger. Okay. Yeah. According to the interview he conducted with Harold Bilby, printed in Wallace's article, Welcome to Hamburger Heaven. Hmm. Quote, Grandpa himself told me that it was in June of 1891 when he took up a chunk of iron and made himself a big old grill. Then the next month on the 4th of July, he built a hickory wood fire underneath that grill. And when those coals were glowing hot, he took some ground Angus meat and fired up a big batch of hamburgers. When they were cooked all good and juicy, he put them on my Grandma Fanny's homemade yeast buns, the best buns in all the world, made from her own secret recipe. He served those burgers on buns to neighbors and friends under a grove of pecan trees. They couldn't get enough, so Grandpa hosted another big feed. He did that every 4th of July, and sometimes as many as 125 people showed up. Huh. Wow. Well, okay. And you'll never believe it, Lauren. (laughs) That same year, Uh Oklahoma's legislator declared, and please join me in another (laughs) dramatic reading. (laughs) Whereas... Scurrilous rumors have credited Athens, Texas, as the birthplace of the hamburger, claiming for that region south of the Red River, commonly known as Baja, Oklahoma, a (laughs) fame and renown which are hardly its due. And... Whereas the legislature of Baja, Oklahoma, has gone so far as to declare April 3rd, 1995, to be Athens Day at the state capitol, largely on the strength of this bogus claim. And... Whereas, while the residents, the scenery, the hospitality, and the food found in Athens are no doubt superior to those in virtually any other locale, they must be recognized, in the words of Mark Twain, as, quote, the lightning bug is to lightning when compared with the great city of Tulsa in the great state of Oklahoma. And... Whereas, although someone in Athens in the 1860s may have placed cooked ground beef between two slices of bread, this minor accomplishment can in no way be regarded comes on a bun, accompanied by such delight as pickles, onions, lettuce, tomato, cheese, and, in some cases, special sauce. And... Whereas the first true hamburger on a bun, as meticulous research shows, was created and consumed in Tulsa in 1891 and was only copied for resale at the St. Louis World's Fair a full 13 years after that momentous and history-making occasion. Now, therefore, I, Frank Keating, governor of the state of Oklahoma, do hereby proclaim April 12, 1995, as the real birthplace of the hamburger in Tulsa Day. Which is in all caps, by the way. Oh. Um, and I love I love how it alternates between shade and, like, I guess still shade, but compliments. Yeah, it's like, well, that was fine of you, but not, like, Mm-mm. good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like giving a little golf clap of, like, yeah, sure, yeah, okay. Like, good but for you. We, yeah, but. and I love the real birthplace. The real- <laughs> that, that is excellent. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. In 1933, the family opened Weber's Superior Root Beer Stand in Tulsa, selling their hamburgers. So now, the case is closed. Is it? Nope. Nope. Uh, <laughs> definitely not. Um, <laughs> you're picking up on my bit here, Lauren. Uh, <laughs> New Haven, Connecticut cites Lewis Lawson as the one who served the first burger in 1900. He operated a small lunch wagon that served steak sandwiches, but not wanting to waste any meat, he'd grind up the leftover meat and serve it between toasted bread. A plaque went up in 1961 proclaiming his restaurant to be the birthplace of the hamburger. 
I have to say, this is another thing I love of people just putting up plaques. Like, yeah. see? It's official yeah. now. It's on a mm. plaque. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> you can't can't argue with a plaque. Hmm. In, in 1991, Lawson's grandson said, we have signed, dated, and notarized affidavits saying we served the first hamburger sandwiches in 1900. Other people may have been serving the steak, but there's a big difference between a hamburger steak and a hamburger sandwich. You tell them. Yeah. And in 2000, the Library of Congress got involved, labeling Lewis's lunch a, quote, Connecticut legacy for, among other things, quote, the invention and commercial serving of one of America's favorites, the hamburger. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And lastly. <laughs> the I, case is still not closed? No, the case is open, Lord. It's still <laughs> open. Uh, Clarenda, Iowa's Bert W. Gary. He doesn't necessarily claim to be the hamburger's inventor, but he did, he did declare himself the hamburger industry's, quote, daddy as of 1901 or 1902. And this burger was served on a bun. Made sure to specify that. Okay. But wait! <laughs> Uh, at the 1904 St. Louis's World's Fair, the Tyrolean Alpine restaurant served hamburger steak, both plain and with onions. And this event introduced the hamburger to a lot of folks, and people loved it. Um, at least one reporter put the invention of the hamburger to a vendor at this event, which brings us to the accursed Athens, Texas, ah. Tulsa's worst enemy. Um, Many Texans suspected the vendor in question was a man from Athens named Fletch Davis, or Old Dave. He owned a lunch counter in Athens, and one day he got the idea to make brown patties of ground beef on a grill, top it with a big old uh, slice of raw onion, and sandwich it between these thick slices of toast. However... Old Dave does not appear on the official list of vendors from the World Fair. Hmm. But... <laughs> he was definitely there. Hmm. A columnist for the Dallas Morning News wrote in 1983, quote, It took me years of sweat-neck research before I finally determined, at least in mine and in some other Texas historian's estimation, that Fletcher Davis, also known as Old Dave of Athens in Henderson County, Texas, invented the hamburger sandwich. <sighs> and oh, that next year, a plaque went up outside where Old Dave's restaurant used to be, and the Texas State Legislature debuted a bill to name Athens as the original home of the hamburger. So huh. we got a lot of uh, plaques. We got a lot of legislatures getting involved. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, I I think it belongs to everyone. <laughs> That's very diplomatic of you. Thank you. Yeah, I you know I believe that all of these people invented it independently. Uh, that's what I like to think when I come up with a song and I'm so impressed with myself and then I realize it's tuned to a song that definitely that, already <laughs> exists. I'm like, well, hopefully I just like invented this on my own and wasn't just copying it and didn't realize. But yeah. Yeah. come up with ideas separately, independently and it'd be a very similar idea. <laughs> um, also of note, ketchup and mustard were becoming more common in American diners. So it makes sense that people would add them to their burgers. Yeah, yeah, those were uh, th those condiments were were really coming up around the uh, the first couple decades of the uh, of the twentieth century. There, the yeah late late eighteen mm nineties -hmm. through the early twentieth century. Yeah, 
Burger time, as they say. Um, <laughs> Upton Sinclair's 1906 book, The Jungle, eroded America's trust in chopped meat for several years, and this lower class association got attached to it. So people thought, well, if you couldn't afford safer, quotes, mm-hmm. um, meat, then you would be eating this burger. But you'll never believe who was, what was instrumental in changing that. Oh, in 1916, a fry cook out of Wichita, Kansas, named Walter Anderson, created square buns made with denser dough, um, denser than what was used for bread. Soon after, he quit his job and poured all his money into opening a diner in a converted trolley car where he served his burgers. A few years after that, in 1921, Anderson, along with Edgar Waldo Billy Ingram, founded White Castle Hamburger in Wichita making White Castle the oldest hamburger chain. But they dealt with this nervousness around ground meat with a consistent product and a projection of safety, sanitation with their shiny white interiors. Yeah, yeah. These uh, these, these white aprons, white caps. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very, everything very polished, um, very sterilized. Um, they, they spent serious time and money on this. Um, they would sponsor a study... It was published uh, uh, almost a decade later in 1930 that reported a normal, healthy child could eat nothing but White Castle burgers and water and fully develop all its physical and mental faculties. (laughs) Wow. Uh, The study did (laughs) include the caveat that for that to be fully true, they should really add some calcium to their burger buns, which they then did. Uh, I'm going to say that's faulty nutritional advice, but... You know, they were they were working on it at any rate. They were doing some <laughs> White things. Castle was on the case. <laughs> um, skipping ahead to 1931, the cartoon strip Popeyes introduced the character Jay Wellington Wimpy, better known as Wimpy. And Wimpy's whole thing was he loved hamburgers but rarely paid for them. He was a cheapskate. So mm. He frequently tried to trick diners into paying for his burgers with his catchphrase, I'd gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. And this character was huge in popularizing the burger in the United States, so much so that he went on to be the namesake of a burger chain called Wimpy's. After the founder died in 1978, apparently all 1,500 Wimpy's shut down in accordance with the founder's wishes— Though, in 1954, Jay Lyons & Company purchased the franchise rights for England. And I've heard there are some still around in the U.S. I don't know. Um, I literally only just learned about this whole thing, Wimpy from Popeye, Wimpy's, um, after Obama mentioned it in a recent speech. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) oh, yeah. I I guess I grew up watching some of those old Popeye cartoons or, or maybe reading the comic strip when it was still... No, watching the cartoons, I think. And yeah, Wimpy definitely played a... Played a factor, and I could swear, I could swear that as a child in the Midwest, I personally witnessed a Wimpy's, but maybe I've only ever seen photographs. It's it's really hard to say. Um, well, listeners, if you've seen one, if you've seen one, <laughs> it's like we're talking about Bigfoot or something, <laughs> let us know. Uh, <laughs> um, but what about the cheeseburger? Oh, what about it? I'm uh, sure that one's much more straightforward. <laughs> yes, obviously. <laughs> So three cities lay claim to that innovation. You've got Pasadena, California, Denver, Colorado, and Louisville, Kentucky. So Pasadena's claim dates back to the 1920s, though the details other than that are pretty lacking. Um, As for Denver, we have Louis Ballast, who allegedly 
registered the first trademark for the cheeseburger in 1935, but a restaurant in Louisville named Kalins offered, quote, cheeseburgers with a space in between on its menu in 1934. Again, I imagine it just made sense to put cheese on there, you know? Yeah, this <laughs> like is a tasty a thing. We have this cheese. Yes. It will melt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in Glendale, California in 1937, Bob Wyan of Bob's Pantry introduced the Double Decker Burger, a bun sliced into three with two patties. And then a barrage of fast food burgers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, McDonald's got started in 1948, as did In-N-Out. And In-N-Out was the uh, first drive through burger joint. Burger King followed in Miami in 1954. Wendy's came along in 1969. And the timing of this had to do with the availability of freezers, of assembly lines, of things that enabled the production of standardized products quickly. Yeah. Um, and oh, just so many chains. Uh, Steak and Shake, Castle Blanca, Red Castle, White Turret, White Tower, Crystal, A&W, Whataburger, Jack in the Box, Sonic, on and on. On and on. And I love the regional... Uh, like, people get so strongly opinionated depending on what region you're oh, in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in 1978, Jimmy Buffett released Cheeseburger in Paradise, which I wanted to put in here because I thought I'd been, I'd eaten at that restaurant, which is his sister, uh, his sister Lucy's restaurant, Lulu's in uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. But I learned that that seems like it was a retcon, so I've been living a lie, Lauren. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Hamburglar, the McDonald's, town character, whatever it is called, <laughs> was introduced in the 1970s, and Hamburger Helper came along in 1971. Um, although veggie-based burger patties were around um, before the mid-1980s, they were popularized by the success of the brand Garden Burger in the mid-80s, starting in the mid-80s. Um, uh, and this was a, a patty originally made with stuff like oats, cheese, rice, and mushrooms by its creator, Paul Wenner for his Oregon-based vegetarian restaurant, Garden House. And then we get Shake Shack, which opened in 2004. Yeah, the, the early 2000s into the uh, 20 teens saw this huge burger boom in the U.S. All of these chains were opening, uh, like fast casual chains. Um, a lot of other restaurants got serious about making these like high-end burger options. Um, uh, other other brands like uh, Umami Burger, Five Guys, Smash Burger. From 2010 to 2011, alone, fast casual burger sales jumped 21%. And around that time, the like better burger segment was worth $2.5 billion a year. Wow. Which was only like 4% of the total burger market at that time, but still like, woof. Yeah. And uh, yeah, th this was partially because of, uh, th th okay, so there were around that time, all of these movements to be healthier and more environmentally and socially conscious about food, and, and, and they were gaining traction again. Um, that book, uh, Fast Food Nation, The Dark Side of the All-American Meal, was published in 2001. It d dealt with a lot of these issues. Um, and, and since then, there has been, like, increasing attention to the responsible sourcing of quality and ethically produced meats um, and to reducing meat intake in general. Um, right. And, uh, and that burger boom went international, though. Um, uh, as of 2016... One in three restaurants in France had a burger on the menu, and 80% of those that did said it was their best-selling item. Wow. I mean, they're good. <laughs> it's just a good comfort <laughs> food, like you said. So satisfying. It's nice. It's nice to eat. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that was a real whirlwind. Uh, legal documents. Yeah. Plaques. 
intrigue. <laughs> and honestly, there's so much out there. We were already talking about revisiting some stuff from this one. Yeah, yeah. I just found um, a trove of really great science pieces about what makes a burger a good burger, like chemically and physically, um, and mm-hmm. uh, right before we came in. And so, so yeah, so I really want to talk about that in the future. And I feel like there were a lot of other little little side quests that I made myself ignore going through this research. Mm-hmm. And we love a good side quest and turning them into whole episodes. So, listeners, if you have, if there's something particular you want us to revisit, oh, just let us know. Oh, oh, always, always, always. Um, and we do have uh, some mail from some listeners who have already written in. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching! Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga! How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Mail. Um, oh, the Krabby Patty. <sighs> I'm sorry, everyone. I failed. I did not bring up the Krabby Patty. It's okay. Uh, I'm- I will shake off this defeat. 
I knew I was forgetting something. And then, oh, oh the crusty burger. Uh, oh, man. I mean, cartoon burgers could be a whole episode on its own. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, another side quest for another day. <laughs> In the meantime, Linda wrote, I was listening to your butter episode tonight, and when you talked about the possibility of making your own butter, you commented that you didn't know why anyone would want to do that. Well, I've actually done it many times, but only while working with kids. When teaching <laughs> elementary school, I loved centering lessons around food during the Thanksgiving season. We even made bread one year, but that was with the help of a good friend who was really into bread making. <laughs> we made butter several years as it was really easy and gave the students a chance to see where butter comes from. All it took was some heavy cream and enough small jars with tight lids so that every student had a jar. Then just pour some cream into the jars, tighten the lid, and start shaking. It was a fun, hands-on activity, and they got to spread their butter on some bread or crackers when they were done. It always turned out and was delicious as well. As a teacher and also someone who likes to cook from scratch, I've been amazed at how little some students know about where their food comes from. One year when substituting in a high school life skills class, we were planning a shopping list for a breakfast menu. One teenage girl was surprised that we'd need eggs to make French toast. I just couldn't imagine how you'd make French toast without eggs. Then she explained, you just pop the frozen French toast into a toaster. Wow, the things we learn from kids. <laughs> I love this. This is a great activity. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, might tire some kids out, but also right. you get butter at the end. Yeah. Oh, I think yeah. This is great for anyone who's, uh, you know, at home uh, for Thanksgiving looking for activities with kids. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Highly, highly recommend that kind of thing. Uh, anytime that there's something relatively undangerous <laughs> and, yes. and yes. kind of um, physically laborious that you can just, just have a child do, mm -hmm. they're usually into it. They're, they're burning energy, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zuzana wrote, um, this may fall under the random section, but I wanted to tell you about my somewhat unorthodox experience of the American Thanksgiving dinner. I moved to the States for college, and during freshman year, my roommate invited me to her Korean-Italian-American home in Detroit for Thanksgiving. Her mom was a great cook and prepared a feast of Korean delicacies. But of course, there were also mashed potatoes and the mandatory pumpkin pie. For another Thanksgiving gathering, I visited my sister in Providence, and we decided to make traditional Polish potato pancakes as a side dish. Yet another year, I spent Thanksgiving alone and celebrated, despite having no national ties to the holiday, with a spread of all-American candies. In my experience, Thanksgiving is a delicious excuse for families and friends to gather for a huge dinner and mix whatever their cultural influences may be into the pot. And I love that. I love that, too. Yes. Aww. One of my very favorite things, actually, is I love asking people what their traditional Thanksgiving meal is and just comparing because there's history there inevitably oh, yeah, of yeah. how this side dish got chosen over this side dish. And I, I love it. And there's always like really impassioned family politics surrounding it. And, yes. and it's really it's really fun. And everyone does have those very, very specific uh, takes on dishes that, mm -hmm. that different family members insisted on um, and would not mm -hmm. let go of. And um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I also, a Thanksgiving with All-American Candies, that's great. Um, <laughs> very creative. I am a big fan. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, thanks to both of those listeners for writing. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. 
Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts my iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.